Hello, and welcome to Progress Your Beer. My name is Garrett Allen, and I am a professional brewer and an avid brewer at home. And I'm here to help you accelerate your progression through the beer making process and quickly get higher quality brews. This is episode number 25, and today's topic is Common Off Flavors Part 1. And for Part 1, as an introductory to the series, I'll focus on off flavors I see more on the homebrew level. So off flavors are things that you don't want in your beers, if you don't know. They can be easily avoided for the most part uh, if you know what to look for and how to prevent them. In this episode, I'll talk about the three most common off flavors that I've seen in homebrew. I'm pretty offended by all of these um, that I'll talk about today, and uh, I think most other people are as well. So yeah, these are great things to learn about, make sure you know how to avoid them, and um, avoid sharing crappy beer with your friends. So uh, yeah. But first, a few quick asks because the show is free and I try to give you the best information I have to make your beer better or brew life easier. They help support me and keep all this running. I've spent a good year plus working on getting the New England IPA style figured out and tasting like the breweries that have become top dogs in the hazy IPA game. I've found that it's really a few key things that you need to consider in your ingredients and process that really elevate hazy IPA to another level. Instead of the same old sweet, orange citrus IPA that happens to be hazy, these keys will help you make IPAs with interesting and differentiating aromas, great drinkability, and full in flavor and texture without the gimmicky use of lactose or non-grain additives for enhanced mouthfeel or sweetness or whatever. But to get my video lessons on this, head on over to progressyourbeer.com. I'll have the link to that in the podcast description. Let me know who you are and give me an email address where I can send you free short video lessons on making delicious New England IPA. If you like this podcast and have found the information useful or interesting, please give a five-star rating and review on your platform of choice. It helps drive organic growth and discussion, which is awesome. And tell a friend who you also think would like to listen to my beautiful voice every single week. And finally, follow me on Instagram for quick tips and fun photos. The handle is Progress Your Beer. Now back to off flavors. So the first one I'll talk about, I think most people know and understand, or at least if they don't understand it, they know about it, and that is diacetyl or diacetyl, however you want to say it. I learned it as diacetyl as a chemical science background. Um, but I have learned that in the brewing world, it is called diacetyl. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this one is definitely the greatest off flavor I've seen in homebrew and even commercial beers. Um, and this is that butter off flavor. If you've ever had a beer, especially an IPA, it can get a little just the way hops work, hop creep and all of that, if you're not careful, you can get quite a buttery flavor and aroma out of your beer. So this one's not, I mean, you can easily avoid it, but it happens. Especially, I I had one, I I had a brew, man, not even a year ago that I did, and, and I know how to, um... 
avoid diastole. I know how how to pitch uh, a quality amount of yeast. I know how to let that yeast sit and reduce that diastole into uh, other compounds. Um, but I I had some hop creep issues because um, I guess mosaic is, at least in my experience and, and from what I've heard other brewers talk about and discuss, Mosaic is is kind of one of those hops that really promotes hop creep and therefore diacetyl because I didn't uh, take the extra precautions um, that one might need to take when they're dry hopping with Mosaic. And I ended up with a, a, a butter IPA, which was a dumper and a bummer. So this one can happen to anyone. Um... And, uh, yeah, so I'll go through the main things to think about when, uh, to keep this off-flavor in check. The biggest one is to give your yeast time. Um, so, first of all, pitch uh, a good amount of healthy yeast. This is going to be a theme for these different off-flavors, uh, if you're paying attention. So, uh, that's the first thing you can do. And then second of all is to uh, taste your beer and uh, throughout the fermentation process. And you can actually do a quick uh, diastole test. Um, so take a small sample of your beer, heat it up, and then let it cool back down and, um, and smell it. And that diastole will become uh, pretty dominant. Uh, because uh, in that heating up process, those diastole precursors in their transformation into diastole uh, occurs much faster at higher temperatures. And so you'll be able to tell not whether there's diastole in your beer, but whether you have precursors to diastole still in your beer that need to go through that process and make sure that when you're packaging, it doesn't turn into diastole. Um, if you're kegging, doing that diastol test and all of that, you can really dial in your processes and make sure that you're not going to have diastol issues down the line. Um, and and then also just waiting a long time. If you don't want to do a diastol test, which I have never actually done, I know you can do it, but I just I just at home anyway. Uh, on the commercial scale, we. Um, we have a, a gas chromatograph that is dedicated to uh, diastole and VDKs so that we can monitor not just diastole but all of those compounds so that we can be like, okay, we've, we've got a pretty good idea that we're not going to have diastole issues. We can proceed with the next steps on this beer. But I'm going to guess at home, you don't have that. So just let your yeast ride as long as you have healthy yeast it's gonna reduce that diastole and if you're curious about um, what actually happens to the diastole um, that yeast when sugars become less abundant they're going to look for other um, energy sources and diastole is actually one of them and the diastole has a, a flavor threshold it varies from person to person for me, I'm I'm definitely like a normal person, so I can usually detect it at the literature threshold of 100 parts per billion, 
uh, again, it, it, depending on the beer, usually a light beer, I can detect it at that threshold. Um, but it's it's very subtle. But that is an extremely low flavor threshold. And so the yeast um, will take the diacyl and uh, basically change it to a different chemical compound, ultimately. And that has a flavor threshold of many, many, many times higher than diastole. So you don't taste it, really. Um, and yeah, that's how diastole is gotten rid of. And you don't need to serve your friends buttery beer. I mean, you can if you want. Uh, there are brewers, even professional ones I've seen out there, who take who who want to reduce their fermentation and tank residency time and get that beer turned over really quickly and call their um, their stouts or porters a, a graham cracker or or a breakfast beer or something like that. Not that all of all of those beers are uh, gimmicky diacetyl vehicles, but um, I, I do know of a few brewers who did name their beer or change their beer to a, a gimmicky pastry or whatever because their beers were having diacetyl issues because they were pumping their beer out too quickly and not giving yeast enough time. But I digress. Don't have diastole in your beer. Unless you're, you really like those pie crust stouts, then sure. But overall, if you're going for a clean beer, those are the steps you take to reduce your dias di diacetyl, diacetyl. And then that brings me on to the next off flavor that I see in homebrew quite a bit, and that is acetaldehyde. So this is a green apple uh, kind of flavored compound. Uh, this is also um, the molecule that your body turns uh, or oxidizes ethanol. Uh, so when you're drinking and you have a bad hangover, this is the chemical compound that a lot of people blame hangovers on uh, whether that's true or not I don't know but it does correlate with the poorly fermented or poorly made alcoholic beverages producing worse hangovers than uh, more high quality is it true I don't know but it makes sense in my mind um, so yeah this off flavor it's green it, it comes across as green apple like like that granny smith kind of pithy not pithy. Apples don't have pith. Um, that, like, green apple skin. Yeah, it, it, it can be almost pleasant if, in, if it's in really low concentrations because um, it, uh, almost everything we eat and drink, uh, like when it comes to coffee or juices, fruits, and all of that, a lot of those have acetaldehyde them, in, in them. And uh, at extremely low concentrations, it... it it gives a perception of freshness for me anyway. But if it gets too much, uh, that green apple flavor can get really strong and distracting and just not very good. And then in even higher concentrations, that acetaldehyde can come across as almost like gourdy, like pumpkin. Like uh, I'm sure 
Everyone out there has carved a pumpkin at least at one point in their life, or most have, or have cleaned a pumpkin or something out, and you smell the inside, it's got a pretty distinct smell. Acetaldehyde in high concentrations smells very much like that to me, or almost like a latex paint. And beers like that are uh, straight up putrid. And I... uh, I've had a few. So don't do that. Acetaldehyde can be avoided through a few different things. First off, you guessed it, is proper fermentation with with healthy yeast. So um, pitch a lot of healthy yeast. Uh, Do not pull your beer off of the yeast or troop too early. The yeast has to be healthy enough and be given enough time to convert acetaldehyde into ethanol. Poor yeast health is one of the major contributions to this off flavor as the yeast doesn't take fermentation all the way through to ethanol. Um, So treat your yeast well by making a big starter or pitching enough packs of dry yeast. Um, Don't cheap out and be like, "Uh, one packet is enough. Um, If you're doing a five gallon batch, that's usually not the case. I like to pitch at least two. I know it's kind of expensive, but uh, you've already spent the time and energy and money in other ingredients. I'm going to spend the extra five bucks on another packet of yeast uh, if I'm using dry to make sure that I have a nice healthy fermentation. Um, Oxygenate your wort very well if you're using liquid yeast. Um, This isn't quite as important if you are using uh, dry yeast. But uh, if, if you are using liquid, oxygenate well because this will ensure that the yeast that you're pitching will create nice, healthy next generation of yeast that will help uh, ferment your beer cleanly and then reduce these off flavors like diastole and acetaldehyde. Uh, Add yeast nutrient and then maintain proper fermentation temperatures for the yeast that you're using throughout the whole fermentation. So don't chill your beer too early. Um, before maturation is complete and and especially before fermentation itself uh, or attenuation itself is done Um, and then don't separate the troop from the beer too early either. Acetaldehyde is one of the ones that um, can be easily avoided fermentation wise but it can rear its ugly head when we talk about the next and final off flavor, oxidation. Oxidation is, um, it's, it's apparent in anyone and everyone's beer, uh, given enough time. In commercial beers, in homebrewed beers especially, oxidation is just a killer. And um, that's, it, that's one of the reasons why I, I brew a lot of stuff at home is because stuff at the liquor store Uh, especially with not a whole lot of breweries around where I live, are selling beer to liquor stores to go in cans and stuff. Um, That's actually kind of rapidly changing, which which is a good thing because um, we're not importing quite as much from, I don't know, larger regional breweries where it takes three months to get to us, and by the time it is, it's not tasting very fresh. So, um, and this affects the homebrew level too, because as a homebrewer, you typically just don't have the equipment to reduce 
oxygen in your process as much as a commercial brewery does. So the biggest molecule or off flavor that is studied and paid attention to in oxidation is called trans 2 and that is that papery or cardboard um, flavor that people will talk about. I don't... Oxidation's a tricky one because each person picks it up differently in my experience. And yes, there are times I definitely get a papery or cardboard aroma from a beer. Uh, it's typically in like a, a light lager. But I've also gotten acetaldehyde more than oxidation more than trans to known and all in uh, in an oxidation uh, off flavor sort of detection so again trans to known and all is not the only indicator uh, or off flavor that is produced by oxidation but is often the most studied and has been historically the most tracked molecule for the determination of oxidation amount. Other notable effects of oxidation are loss of vibrancy in aroma, both hop and malt, uh, loss of flavor and aroma clarity, loss of bitterness and increase in sweet toffee or caramel-like flavors. You can get higher astringency in your beer. Um, and then the oxidation of ethanol back into acetaldehyde this isn't super common, but it can really increase with higher amounts of metal catalysts in the beer, and hundreds of other reactions occur to give the flavor of oxidized, old, or stale beer. So to avoid oxidation, there's a lot of things you can do from the ridiculous to the, I would say, practical. Um, so as a home brewer, my greatest suggestion to avoid oxidation, especially without spending a whole lot of money on pressurizable stainless and uh, spending all of your money on purging your vessels with CO2 and all of that. Healthy yeast. You knew it was coming. Um, pitching healthy yeast, uh, they, the yeast really plays a huge part in keeping beer staying fresh and vibrant. Um, you can also add antioxidants such as um, metabisulfite. I think there are a few others. Uh, I, I can't remember them off the top of my head. But there, there are some antioxidants out there that you can add to your beer and, and they will help. But at the end of the day, I prefer to, um, you know, keep beer beer and not that those beers with antioxidants added aren't beer. It, it's the closer I can stay to um, keeping it those four or so ingredients, the happier I am with my beer. And not everyone's like that. So go put antioxidants in your beer to your heart's content. Careful about sulfur off flavors with that. Um, you can get some, some unpleasant sulfur compounds that way if you're not careful because... Uh, it's, you don't need a whole lot of that antioxidant to do its job. And uh, if you do too much, you're going to have a bad time. Uh, but while you're bottling or uh, something like that, adding nice, fresh, healthy yeast is, is going to be one of your best bets against oxidation. Uh, even if you do introduce some oxygen when you're bottling, kegging, what have you, 
that yeast is going to, one, take up the oxygen um, and use that in its re-fermentation. And then also, it's going to take any of those oxidized fatty acids or um, carbonyl groups, and, and it will actually reduce them. So uh, you, you turn some stale flavor chemical compounds into not stale chemical compounds. So um, Krausening, adding fresh yeast, all of that stuff is going to do wonders for your beer's oxidative stability. And then bonus off flavor, you didn't see that one coming. I said the last one was the last one. Uh, the bonus off flavor is going to be, just because I, I thought of it during this episode, um, that I see a lot in homebrewers, uh, especially, because you don't have fermentation temperature control, is going to be esters and higher uh, molecular weight alcohols um, that the yeast uh, produce if you are fermenting at far too high of a temperature. So esters aren't really necessarily an off flavor until they get in too high a concentrations for the beer that you wanna make. Uh, and esters, they, they're they one of the biggest reasons for certain yeast strains to have their signature characteristics. But an excess of them can be an off flavor. Uh, this usually comes with those higher alcohols, with that higher alcohol production as well. So if you're not maintaining your fermentation temperatures well for for most beer strains at least, I know there are Saison yeast strains, even Kvike, uh, those yeast strains um, that do really well and, and make relatively clean beers at very high temp, like ridiculously high temperatures. Um, but for the most part, uh, if you're using a, uh, something like USO5 or uh, I would say a normal ale strain, but that's getting too uh, subjective. But a typical ale yeast, uh, you're going to get an increase in higher molecular weight alcohols, which do not taste very good, and esters. So keep control of your fermentation temps. Make sure they're not getting too hot. Um, this can be done in a variety of ways, and I talked about um, that a little bit in that fermentation temperature control episode of the podcast. So um, check that out if you haven't already. Um, even if you don't have like a, a glycol system or a kegerator that you can put a fermenter in to uh, keep that fermentation at a certain temp, even just doing some like cool water baths or a wet t-shirt or something to give it that evaporative cooling to keep that fermentation under control uh, is going to do wonders for you relative to letting it get way too hot and make some some pretty gnarly compounds that just don't taste good so yeah uh, for those yeast strains not too hot is also subjective uh, it varies but a good rule of thumb is low 50s for lagers and low to mid 60s for ales and that's really it um, so to recap i think all of these off flavors can be avoided by pitching high high amounts of high quality yeast and then patience that's pretty much it if i missed anything on any of these off flavors i talked about today um, that you would like to be brought up 
Uh, or if you have any questions, send me an email, garrett at progressyourbeard.com. Feedback and questions are what help me give you the content that you want to know more about. And uh, as always, thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.